The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Previously on All-American. You positioned yourself as that person. And the country positions you as that person, whether you like it or not. Growing up, I came up with this name. I'm a Koblenasian. A Koblenasian. Caucasian, blue, black, Indian, Asian, Koblenasian. The day before Thanksgiving in 1996, a sports executive named Michael Shapiro was at home with his family in Atlanta when he got an unexpected phone call. It was a person who said that she was a recruiter from Nike and had gotten my resume somehow and wanted to know if I was interested in a position with Nike. Shapiro was already a top exec at Turner Broadcasting. So a job at Nike? Definitely interested. I said, yeah, sure, that sounds good. She said, great, uh, we need to get you out here right away. And I said, okay, you know, after Thanksgiving? And she said, no, when I mean right away, I mean today. Within hours, Shapiro was on a private plane from Atlanta to Portland, Oregon, to interview for an unspecified position. When he landed, a car whisked him to his hotel downtown, where he was approached in the lobby by Phil Knight. As in Phil Knight, Nike's CEO and founder. And he said, you can check in later. We need to get to a meeting. And I, I said, can you tell me what this is all about? And he said, well... We're going to go to one of these, uh, you know, conference rooms here in the hotel and we'll work it out when we get there. So we go down this hallway and we go into a conference room and um, walk in. And sure enough, sitting there are uh, Earl and Tiger Woods. I'm Jordan Bell, and this is All American from Stitcher. Season one, Tiger. At the same time that Tiger Woods was proving himself on the golf course and being hailed as a symbol for multiracial America, a team of marketing executives were hard at work building up Tiger Woods, the brand. And Tiger's relationship with Nike, his longest running, most significant sponsor, was at the center of it all. So today, we're digging into the big bet that Nike made on Tiger when he was just a rookie and the intense backlash they immediately faced after signing him. How Tiger and the swoosh went from a PR mess to one of the most iconic endorsement deals in sports history. This is episode four, Tiger Inc.
Hello, Albert. Hey, Jordan. (laughs) So today we're talking about Nike and Tiger, which I'm super excited about because we've talked about Tiger's golf game and we've talked about the media sending Tiger through the ringer, but we haven't yet talked about the money. Right. And there was a lot of money riding on Tiger's success. Yes, especially for the folks at Nike, which brings us back to the guy at the top of the episode, Michael Shapiro, and his meeting with Phil Knight, Tiger, and Earl in a Portland hotel, which sounds like a truly insane series of events. (laughs) Yeah, and for Shapiro, this was just incredibly surreal. He was expecting a pretty standard job interview, He could never have imagined that Tiger Woods would be on the other side of the table doing the interviewing. Shapiro told me that he was just trying to keep cool. He was a golfer and a big Tiger fan. And he knew immediately the stakes were high because Tiger had just signed a major endorsement deal with Nike. So that's why Nike was assembling a team around him. Yeah, and as Shapiro explains it, He learned that the role he was up for was actually part of a much broader initiative at Nike. It was part of what they called the Guy Program. And the Guy Program at that time um, involved having a point person uh, within Nike to work with and sort of uh, be a liaison with some of their key athletes. Like Michael Jordan had a guy. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. had a guy. Um, I remember Ronaldo, soccer player, had a guy. The guy program. Must be nice to be a guy with a guy, you know? <laughs> I guess there are probably not a lot of women in the guy program, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to believe that they'd name it something else today. I remember um, as soon as I possibly could get to uh, get a chance to call my wife, I remember calling and saying, you're just not going to believe what happened to me. And I, I hope like crazy. I hope that this happens. So Shapiro ended up being Tiger's guy? He did. He got the job. And during his one year at Nike working on getting things off the ground between Nike and Tiger, Shapiro was charged with handling all the business relations that came out of Tiger's big new contract. That included apparel, live events, a video game, and on and on. That's a lot of stuff to juggle. So beyond Shapiro's role at Nike, I want to unpack what Nike was like at this time, just generally. Yeah, you know, Nike in the late 80s and into the 90s, this is when the company was creating a truly iconic brand with its irreverent and edgy approach in their commercials and in their marketing. Just do it. Exactly. (laughs) Nike debuted the slogan in 1988, and well, you know, the rest is history. I actually dug into some old Nike commercials recently and was pretty into this Andre Agassi Red Hot Chili Peppers mashup from 1991. Want to play rock and roll tennis? Let's dance. Ah! Rock and roll tennis. (laughs) That's so great. Yeah, this was back (laughs) when Agassi was rocking the denim shorts and an absolutely unforgettable mullet. And, of course, Nike's biggest star was unquestionably Michael Jordan. Yo, Mike, what makes you the best player in the universe? Is it the vicious stunts? No, Marge. Is it the haircut? No, Marge. That's from one of a series of classic Air Jordan commercials that 
Nike put out with MJ and director Spike Lee starring as Mars Blackman. Money's gotta be the shoes. 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 You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. What about the shoes? No, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. <laughs> so it seems like Nike was kind of the place to be for the best young athletes looking for sponsorships. Totally. But Nike's golf brand at the time, it wasn't nearly as cool. It was really very classic, uh, pretty staid. Uh, you know, it was foot joy, spikes, and very traditional, you know, kind of very buttoned up sort of. Um, and, you know, kind of, let's face it, rich white guys were kind of what drove golf. This is Rod Talman, another former Nike employee I spoke with recently. Ah, you've got all the connections, Albert. <laughs> well, I, I kind of just picked up the phone and called them. <laughs> So Tallman joined Nike in the late 70s, and by the mid-90s, he was marketing director of Nike Golf. When he started, Nike, they were struggling with their golf brand. Tallman said their marketing people, they didn't view golfers as real athletes. They even considered dumping golf altogether. But by the mid-90s, they'd landed on a country club-friendly approach. Not exactly Agassiz's rock and roll tennis. <laughs> no, it was a very different branding strategy than Nike's other sports. But then they started hearing rumblings about a rising young golfer who was going to turn pro. I got to give it to, to Phil Knight. I mean, he basically said, you know, hey, I want to make sure that we sign this Tiger Woods kid, whatever it takes, as soon as he turns pro. So it sounds like in Phil Knight's eyes, Tiger represents an unprecedented opportunity. He's super young, super talented, and he just looks more like an athlete than a lot of the top golfers. Tiger might still be an amateur, but Phil Knight wants to take a big bet on him. Exactly. So in the spring of 96, Tallman's team at Nike, they start communicating with Tiger and Earl and this pursuit, it continues until August when Tiger plays at a golf club called Pumpkin Ridge outside of Portland, Oregon. And it's his very last tournament as an amateur. Another Tiger comeback completed. And with it, golf history. Three straight U.S. Amateur Championships for Tiger Woods. Earl Woods coming in, mother and father. There's that famous hug where tears will be exchanged. Tiger wins. It's a three-peat. That audio, by the way, is from an NBC broadcast of the tournament. Well, Tiger, we got to ask the question, what does this do to your feelings as to whether you'll turn pro or stay in school? I don't know right now. I just know one thing. I'm going to celebrate like hell tonight. <laughs> Tallman, the Nike golf marketing director, he told me that he and his colleagues, they were in the mood to celebrate too, because Nike, they were close to reaching an agreement with Tiger. And when Tiger came from behind to beat Steve Scott right there, kind of in our backyard, it was just, and we'd come to this agreement, it was really an exciting time. And we, in our hospitality suite, after everybody left, after he'd won, we, uh, the Nike team kind of drank champagne out of the Havemeyer Cup with Tiger and his team. <laughs> um, it was, it was a really kind of a once-in-a-lifetime uh, thing. It was very, very cool. Wow, so scandalous with that champagne. Tiger wasn't even 21 yet. <laughs> That's true. And if you've actually seen the Havemeyer Cup, 
That's a pretty big swig out of it. <laughs> so Tallman says this meeting actually ends the negotiation period between Tiger and Nike. And shortly after, Tiger officially goes pro and Nike becomes his official sponsor. And behind the scenes of the deal, Nike had been working on a commercial called Hello World starring Tiger that hadn't come out yet. But then at his I'm Turning Pro press conference, Tiger opened it up like this. I guess Hello World, huh? (laughs) And no one knew what he was talking about. This is one of my favorite Tiger moments, by the way. It's so awkward. (laughs) It really was. Tiger was referring to that Nike commercial that wouldn't come out for two more days. Let's talk about that Hello World ad. It's a super striking commercial. It's set to sweeping music over photos and videos of Tiger golfing through the years. And some of the footage looks professional. Other parts of it look like they're from home movies. And the original ad, it seems, aired without voiceover. There's just text that's seemingly written from Tiger's point of view. Right. So allow me to recreate the ad, Albert. All right. Action. So the music comes in, and then the text starts rolling. And remember, I'm reading as Tiger here. I shot in the 70s when I was 8. I shot in the 60s when I was 12. I won the U.S. Junior Amateur when I was 15. Hello, world. And then the ad goes on to list more of Tiger's accomplishments and then reads... There are still courses in the U.S. I am not allowed to play because of the color of my skin. Hello, world. I've heard I'm not ready for you. Are you ready for me? And cut. Nice work, Jordan. I think you almost did it justice. Thank you. This is a really striking ad. It was even nominated for an Emmy. And it's the first time we see Nike use Tiger's Race as part of his marketability. But there was considerable backlash to both the commercial, which we'll get to, and to the news of Tiger's deal with Nike generally. Yeah, because first of all, the size of Tiger's deal was unprecedented for a golfer. It was worth $40 million, which was even bigger than Michael Jordan's deal with Nike at the time. Right. And so Tiger, right out of the gate, was out-earning the other golfers signed to Nike, including top-ranked players like Nick Price, who was effectively demoted to number two at Nike Golf as a result of Tiger's shiny new contract. Here's how Rod Tallman broke that news to Price. I told him, hey, we've just, Tiger Woods has decided to turn pro, and we've signed a contract with him, um, and you're the first one... I need to let you know that. And he just, I love Nick Price. I think he's one of the finest gentlemen in the golf world. And But he was just so pissed at me. Oh, poor Nick. Yeah, well, you know, imagine you're the top-ranked golfer in the world, and all of a sudden you hear that sort of behind your back, Nike has been brokering this massive deal with a 20-year-old who has done nothing as a professional. Yeah, so I take it the news of this pay disparity did not sit well in the golf community. Not at all. And (laughs) it went way beyond angry players. The leaders in the golf community, media companies, magazines, everybody just said, you guys are going to ruin golf, you know. 
Um, nobody has ever signed a contract like that. Here's a kid who hasn't done one thing yet on this tour, and you're paying him more than our number one player, Tom Lehman's going to make this year. And, and so, you know, there was, a, a, to be honest, a lot of resentment out there. Um, people were just really pretty pissed off. Even though Tiger is the one with the big payday in this scenario, I still feel for him. Here he is, again, isolated, with a lot of people side-eyeing him. Yeah, and Tiger's Hello World ad campaign, it generated its own backlash, too. Right. A Washington Post columnist wrote that it was utter nonsense that Tiger was banned from courses because of his race and called the Nike campaign, quote, discordant and even vile. There was even a boycott of Nike golf products. Pro shops at golf clubs, most of them in the South, they were pulling Nike shoes and hats from their shelves, which really disturbed Tallman. We got death threats and hate mail, and it was really an ugly time. And I was, after being a golfer my entire life, I was a little bit taken aback. I was kind of shocked and pretty discouraged by the response. I mean, golf was if I can say it, um, stick my head out a bit, but um, kind of the last bastion of white male uh, privilege in the sports world, you know, and it got ugly. Um, they just said, you know, this young black kid, you're paying him all this money and, you know, you're playing the race card and screw you, you know. Wow. Playing the race card. That's a really loaded accusation. Yeah. It reads to me as a way of dismissing the bigger and really important points about racial discrimination that Nike was underscoring. Yeah, and from my point of view, Nike playing the race card just means pointing out golf's racist and non-inclusive history, which a lot of white golfers had zero interest in bringing to light. And especially not in the name of Tiger, who at this point was still unproven as a top golfer. He hadn't even won a major yet. It's interesting. These boycotts of Nike golf products when Tiger first came on the scene, they remind me of the backlash from just a couple years ago when Nike made Colin Kaepernick one of the faces of their 30th anniversary Just Do It campaign. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. With Kaepernick's Nike campaign... People were on social media burning their Nike sneakers and cutting the swooshes off their socks. President Trump even tweeted that Nike is getting absolutely killed with anger and boycotts. Nike's stock price did drop the next day, but then it actually reached an all-time high. They even made a shoe with Kaepernick that sold out on day one. But back in the late 90s, in the middle of the controversy over Tiger's Hello World ads, Nike, they stood by Tiger. And within months, they released another ad. I'm Tiger Woods. I'm Tiger Woods. I'm Tiger Woods. So the kids in this ad, they're black, they're Asian, they're white. The message here seems to be that Tiger, he represents everybody. It's the Cobble Nation commercial. Exactly. What strikes me about this commercial is how it's so clearly tapping into this idea we talked about in the last episode, that Tiger is destined to be this source of inspiration to kids, particularly kids of color. So journalists and Nike are mining this idea around the very same time. But not everybody is buying it. 
So in February 1997, shortly after I Am Tiger Woods first aired, our guy Rod Tallman at Nike Golf went to the PGA show, which is a big golf trade show in Orlando. I mean, everybody in the golf world is there. And I mean, every product you could ever imagine what they can do about golf is there. It's a really cool show to go to. So Nike has a booth at this trade show staffed with sales reps who are presenting next season's line of golf gear to customers. Mm. And Tallman is there, too, to run interference on any customer feedback beyond what sales reps are in a position to deal with. And there was plenty of feedback that year. So I just spent a lot of time listening to people just blister me. blister us about uh, what we were doing and how we were still the idea that we were ruining golf and they just weren't going to buy any product from us and some of the management teams from golf magazine and golf digest and i mean just people were really pissed at us wow that's a lot of drama for a trade show tallman was taking some serious heat he really was and even if it wasn't right or fair the levels of outrage were bad enough that it was looking like this massive deal between Tiger and Nike might actually be a PR disaster. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash, Unsuspecting Friends, a work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. So for the first few days of that PGA show weekend in 1997, Rod Tallman and his team at Nike were really under fire for Nike's sponsorship of Tiger Woods. But that all changed once Saturday rolled around. I'll never forget this. Uh, Golf Magazine always hosts a huge event uh, after the show. Uh, I mean, everybody that's anybody in golf is there, and they have these huge TV screens all around this giant uh, uh, room at the hotel, and um, they had the Phoenix Open on. The Phoenix Open is a tournament on the PGA Tour, and Tiger was playing in it that year. 
And I'll never forget, again, just getting blasted by people and over cocktails and stuff. And, <laughs> and when, uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but Tiger uh, aced the 16th hole. Tiger's got 152 yards. Should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. <laughs> Tiger, he hits a hole in one. It's it's just incredible. Oh my God! It was just in the the crowd there in Phoenix just went berserk, and mm. you know it felt so good to have that happen at that big social event where we've just been getting hammered. It was just it felt so good. <laughs> <laughs> it felt so good. Amazing! I love this image of Tallman watching Tiger's hole in one. Surrounded by all these big wigs in the golf world, many of whom have chewed him out earlier that same weekend. It's like, oh, you didn't like Tiger's ads? Well, too bad. This kid rules. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And to hear Tom and tell it, the Tiger backlash faded after this. And Tiger's momentum, it just kept building from there. Tiger goes to the Masters and um, just, I mean, that was... The, the huge turning point. Everybody went, oh, my God. I mean, it just vindicated everything that we'd been telling people since the previous August. It was just, it was really something. It changed a lot of minds uh, and a lot of attitudes. So after Tiger gets his first big win at the 1997 Masters, everyone wanted a piece of him. Right, of course. And now Nike is looking like a bunch of geniuses for locking Tiger in <laughs> before this frenzy. Tiger goes on to get all these other endorsement deals with Amex for $13 million. You're using an American Express card. Nothing's out of bounds. Boundaries for golf, not life. And with Rolex for $7 million. It doesn't just tell time. It tells history. And around this time, Nike Golf decided to take another bet on Tiger when they tapped him to be the face of what they called their sport golf division. When we first started working with him, there was a sense that, you know, hey, screw the country club kind of thing. With this new sport golf thing, as opposed to their more classic line of products, Nike really embraced Tiger's brand of being cool and original. The footwear we, we developed for Tiger was out there a bit because we were trying to really create a whole new category of sport golf. You know, we developed a logo for Tiger that was kind of a yin-yang logo with his Asian background. And, uh, you know, that uh, that didn't turn out to be the best thing ever. So we made some mistakes. The shoes Nike made end up being kind of a joke. Golf.com called them the most uncomfortable shoes in the history of golf shoes. Even other pro golfers were making fun of them. We ran into Greg Norman at um, uh, at Sawgrass once, and he, he called them boudoir slippers. <laughs> <laughs> Was it the yeah. Air Zoom? Was it kind of the pink, black and pink? Um... Well, it was black and red, but yeah, it was yeah. okay. pretty pretty funky styling. And, just, you know, we were, we were trying to create an entirely new look. Uh, and you know what? It, um, it At the time, it seemed like the right thing to do, but it turned out to not be the right thing to do. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of them now. 
And first of all, this logo does not look like a yin-yang symbol. It's red and cream, and it kind of looks like a stretched-out Pokemon ball. <laughs> and I'd actually go so far as to say that they're so ugly that they're actually kind of stylish. I mean, I really can picture some, like, cool person in Soho walking around in these. <laughs> I I defer to you on on style, but I don't know. I mean, back in the day, I collected my fair share of Nike sneakers, but I would say even the 13-year-old version of me would have been like, I don't, I don't know about these shoes. All right. Fair enough. But still, Nike put a bunch of effort into developing these shoes. They still have to sell them. It seems like any product associated with Tiger should be the easiest thing in the world to market. For all the obvious reasons, Tiger's super marketable. He's young. He's winning. Everyone's obsessed with him. But all the Nike campaigns we've talked about, they just feel so forced. Yeah. And when we talked, Rod Tallman was pretty clear that Nike's initial instinct was to throw the regular golf marketing playbook out the window. You know, we all felt early on that there was a good reason to try to develop a new personality, a new genre in golf, footwear anyway. It just never came to pass. But it turned out really that although Tiger was young and kind of irreverent, but not really, not as much as we thought he might be, it turned out that really Tiger is just as much a classic guy as anybody. <laughs> ah, so this sort of echoes so much of what we've talked about with Tiger in the media. It feels like every professional setting Tiger enters, he's trailed by a lot of these assumptions and narratives that are projected onto him. Totally. He's young, so he's irreverent. He's a person of color in a white sport, so he's not a classic kind of golfer. But these assumptions don't have much to do with Tiger's actual personality and who he is. And so what's ironic is that when Nike finally embraces what makes Tiger great and makes this incredible TV commercial, it actually happened by accident. Yeah. So in 1999, Nike is out shooting yet another commercial with Tiger. And on set, between takes, Tiger starts bouncing a golf ball on the end of his golf club. Yeah, kind of like someone playing hacky sack or a soccer player juggling a soccer ball. But Tiger, it turns out, he's really, really skilled at golf juggling. <laughs> he can do it for a long time with a ton of control. Yeah, and that's what ends up filling up basically a whole commercial. One single take of Tiger juggling that golf ball on his club. Yeah, and the ad was an instant classic. Here's a news clip about it from Dateline, where anchor Stone Phillips narrates the play-by-play. With no announcer, Tiger juggles. Juggles. Keep in mind he's under clock pressure here, too. It's a commercial, over in exactly 30 seconds. Now look what he does at 28 seconds. Wow. And then in the last couple of seconds, Tiger launches the ball, sort of pitches it to himself, and then he hits it, like a baseball player would. Yeah, and this is just Tiger. It's so simple, and all those prior awkward over-the-top ad campaigns really have nothing on this one to me. Yeah, it just feels so much more like the real Tiger, who people love first and foremost because he's a Superman on the golf course. 
so this ad ran for the first time during the 1999 NBA Finals and ended up being super popular. And by this point, the Tiger-Nike partnership, it was a runaway success financially, too. Rod Tallman said that Nike golf revenue skyrocketed in just the first couple years of Tiger being signed with them. They went from taking in $30 million in 1995 to $300 million in 1998. Wow. That is a tenfold jump in just three years. Crazy. Yeah, Nike's bet on Tiger seriously paid off. And thanks to Tiger, golf's popularity grew a lot in this time, too, which in turn led to better prize money and bigger endorsement deals for all the golfers on the PGA Tour, not just Tiger. Cool. Thanks, Tiger. (laughs) Yeah, worked out pretty well for everybody. And by 2000, Tiger was basically the face of Nike. So, of course, he signs with the company again. It's an even bigger deal than his first. $100 million. And Tiger was worth every penny. He essentially legitimized Nike as a golf brand. Tiger even switched from a Titleist ball to a new high-tech golf ball produced by Nike. They also updated that yin-yang Tiger logo. Good. No more Pokemon ball? No, they just went with Tiger's initials this time. Very simple, very classic. You know, I actually bought a Nike hat with that Tiger logo when it came out. Wow. Do you still have it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's it's long gone. Uh, I actually lose all my hats, and losing that one definitely hurt because it was actually a cool hat. It was just black with the TW Tiger Woods logo. And, you know, I'm I'm not a golfer, but I really, really like that hat. And it was a hat you would wear anywhere, not just on the golf course. Yeah, it's funny. I'd never really made the connection of that TW until recently. I didn't even know it was the Tiger Woods logo. It just kind of looks like a fancy car logo or something. (laughs) Yeah, it totally does. Everybody, my first guest started learning golf at six months old. He is widely considered to be the greatest golfer to ever play the game. The new edition of his video game, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2005, is in stores now. Please welcome... Tiger Woods. Tiger's on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. And when he sits down, he says to Conan that all this attention really isn't his thing. Yeah, this is from the fall of 2004. Tiger had just returned from the Ryder Cup, where he competed for the U.S. team, which lost to the team from Europe. And as they started talking, Tiger's, you know, normally kind of awkward and terse response style It actually plays really well off of Conan, and the crowd eats it up. Touch on one area we're going to start with because it just happened, which is U.S. loss to Europe Mm -hmm. uh, at the Ryder Cup last weekend. Tell us what happened. What was your analysis of of, this seems to be a trend? What's going on? We got our ass kicked. (laughs) Excellent. We're moving on now. Uh, Yeah, so Tiger was there to sell something called Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2005. Let's talk about the video game. Um, This is the Tiger Woods PGA Tour. It looks like it's selling already. Uh, And the cool thing about this video game is that uh, you can create your own players. You can make them look like you or... uh... (laughs) Why did you gloss over that so quickly? Or you can make them look like a stud. Uh, uh, Oh! Everybody wants to play Tiger Woods when they play a video game and they're playing golf. 
Have you ever played yourself? And if so, have you gotten incredibly competitive with no, Tiger actually, Woods? Usually my, my buddies usually play as me, and I usually have to pick someone else. Right. But that must be very strange. You should try I it sometime where you just are playing yourself. I, no, I, I can't do it. It just feels too weird. <laughs> it might be kind of kinky. <laughs> Let's move on. That's got weird. Uh, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2005 uh, is in stores uh, right now, and uh, this has really been a thrill for us. Thank you so much. What's better than watching Tiger Woods play golf? Getting to play golf as Tiger Woods. <laughs> Yeah, and that video game, year after year, was selling over a million copies. Nike had originally controlled Tiger's video game rights in that first contract with him. But by 2004, they no longer had a piece of that pie. And by this time, Michael Shapiro from the top of the show, he was no longer with Nike. Ah, Tiger's guy's gone. He's gone, and Rod Tallman, former head of marketing for Nike Golf, he was also gone. And they'd been replaced by an army of executives at Nike handling Tiger's empire. Because Tiger wasn't just the biggest golfer in the world. He was the biggest sports star in the world. Next time on All-American, Tiger is in the peak of his career. But how will he handle the spotlight? Hello, and welcome to the Tiger Woods Fabulous Magnificent Excellence line. Listen to the options because the menu changes every time Tiger does something even more extraordinary. The killer instinct. Either you have it or you don't. All American is a production from Stitcher. This episode was written, reported, and produced by Albert Chen and me, Jordan Bell, with additional production support by Temi Fekbenle. Gianna Palmer is our story editor, consulting production by Stephanie Kariuki and Abigail Keel. Our executive producers are Daisy Rosario and Chris Bannon. Casey Holford wrote our great theme music. Thanks to Luce Fleming for mixing our show this week. Thanks to Nick Dooley for being a Pro Tools whiz. And a special thanks to Peter Clowney and our fact checker, Kelvin Bias. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to All American wherever you listen. Thanks. Nike leaned in hard to tie. <laughs> uh, I didn't expect to. S- um... You can say something else. Stitcher. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.